Cool, cool. Here we go. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science A. Science as fuck. Welcome to Science AF. I'm your host, Dave Chacho, and I'm Science as Fuck. And we're back today with a very special guest. I'd like to welcome writer Riley and stand-up and many other things, Riley Silverman. Hey. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You still do stand-up, right? Yeah, I do stand-up. I write, and I do like like uh, live stream role-playing games, stuff like that. Those are kind of my three big hats these days. Live stream on what, Twitch or something? Yeah, on Twitch I'm on a D&D show, and I'm also on a, uh, a show based on the comic book Rat Queens. That's on Hyper RPG. Oh, I don't uh, What's Rat Queens? Uh, it's a comic book that's in Image Comics, and it's basically a fantasy series uh, about a group of like foul-mouthed women who are essentially a, a kind of rough living hard partying adventure party uh-huh yeah that sounds a, awesome. uh, i'm a character that was introduced in the first comic but didn't become a member of the team until a later volume but uh, her name is braga and she's like a, a orc who like left her family's like 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 war clan because she like didn't believe in like being a maraudering barbarian uh-huh. and so uh she fled like left there's like a whole backstory to her so she's like she's, an anti-war activist yeah or she's like she's a mercenary but she's very much someone who's like about like being like a protective fighter as opposed to just being like a like a wanton slaughterer and it's really interesting uh it's fun to play her nice yeah, better than wanton slaughterers. Yeah, I mean, look, it's always it's always fun to play wanton slaughterers in <laughs> yeah. role playing games and stuff like that. But it's kind of fun to have a character who, who can definitely kick some butt when it comes time for it. But uh, also has like some character depth and some things that are fun to play. And I get it's like it's a good thing to like play around. Where like if she does get a little more violent and there's some consequences to it, it's fun to like role play what those consequences are and like the kind of things that like affect her as a character. So. And who, uh, well, first of all, uh, what's your Twitch? Where do they find you on Twitch? Uh, the Twitch channels that I'm on are for the, the show that I'm on for D&D is actually twitch.com slash D&D. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on, it's coming back soon for a season three. We don't know the official announcement date yet, but uh, if you want to watch the previous seasons of that show, that show is called The Broken Pact. You can also watch that on YouTube, on D&D's YouTube channel. Is and, it a video feed? or? Yeah, it's a video feed. And it's, there, there, is, there is a podcast version of it. The studio we recorded at is Saving Throw Show, and so it's kind of like they're kind of like the studio and D&D's the network, if you like think of it in terms of like TV production is concerned. Mm-hmm. So uh, Saving Throw Show has a podcast version of our of the, of the uh, Broken Pact show, so it's just it's the it's just the audio from our video feed. Uh huh. And, and then who who runs those games? Like who DMs? Is that what you call yeah. it? Yeah. Right? So D- the DM for the D and D show Broken Pact is a uh, guy named Ruben Bresler, mm-hmm. and the GM for Rat Queens is uh, Emily Jacobson, Emily Rose Jacobson. So the other show that I'm on that's uh, germane to today's topic of time travel is I'm actually on an actual play role-playing game podcast for the Doctor Who role-playing game, and I play the Doctor in that, and that's GM by a friend of mine named Ben Padden. That's awesome. So is there a a Doctor Who role-playing kit game kit yeah or something? it's by a publisher company called cubicle seven mm-hmm. and they have a series of books there's like a core rule set they kind of tend to put out a new one every time there's a new doctor they haven't gotten around to one yet for jody whitaker yet but they did for peter capaldi and it was 
like same basic rules. They just kind of update what character sheets are in it. But there's also source books for each individual Doctor's era, and there are also other source books like here, like there's a Time Lord source book if you want to make your own Time Lord. But it's not the Doctor. There's like rules wow. on how to make characters like that. And they have like ratings and numbers for all the like baddies and everything. Yeah, yeah, they have a lot of them in there, and then like guides for GMs to make their own baddies and things like that. That's awesome. So it's a two D six system, so it's not quite as complicated as dice is concerned as a as like D and D, which has like a uh, typically about six or seven dice you use in a game. You just use casino dice? Yeah, you just roll two D6s and uh, two six-sided dice, and then basically you add that to your modifiers on your sheet, and then there's like there's like things like, okay, if you get this level, it's it's a failure. If you get this level, there's a lot there's a lot of improv involved in this one, so like a lot of yeah. the successes are considered like no buts or no ands, and then like there's like yes but, and there's like yes, and then there's like yes and, so... Basically, how well you roll determines how much control you as a player have over what happens. So if you roll a yes and, you basically get to define what happens in that moment in the scene. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's kind of cool. And Okay, so you, then you can roll a no but or a yes but. Yeah, and, like and a no but would be like you fail, but there's a little bit of benefit to it. A yes but is like you succeed, but there's some consequences and stuff like that. So Nice. Um, I, I I'm against I'm against uh, the use of only d6s because I think that big big old uh, round dice are really fun. But I'm I'm personally a fan that, of d20s and having a bunch of other modifier dice as a, yeah. as a player. But I do think a d6 system is good for. Uh, shows that are maybe a little more narrative-based, so you're not like stopping all the time to count dice. And I also think that it's good for new players who get intimidated by, like, what dice do I have to roll? I think if you just go, hey, just roll these 2d6s, and you're good to go. Yeah, they look familiar. Yeah. To, to those who are not indoctrinated in the world of D&D, they're just dice. Like, yeah. d- d6s mean the kind that you throw in craps. Yeah, yeah, six-sided dice, usually with pips on them. Uh, if you're playing in role-playing games, they might have numbers, but... Nice. Yeah, um, yeah and, and that, that's the idea of a D six of a D six system is that if you have the rules, then you can just open up like a board game in your house and use the dice from those board games to have going out and buy dice. Like mm-hmm. personally, I'm someone who loves having piles and piles of random dice yeah. in different colors and different dice for different games. But there's something understand. nice about having a little sack of crazy shaped dice. Yeah, that, I have dice I like. in my my purse at all times. I always <laughs> have some dice with me. So uh, yeah, I have some in my bag too. Um, Cool, and you're also a writer for one of my favorite podcasts, Troubled Waters. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I was just listening to this afternoon. Um, what are they talking about? They were talking about the uh, the Emoji House in Hermosa Beach. Did yeah, you yeah, about I wrote that? that around. Yeah, yeah. Or Manhattan Beach or something like that. I actually haven't heard the newest one yet because normally I get to be there for the recordings of them, but because of scheduling this time, I wasn't there. So I had to actually, and it, and it was it, it was a very fast turnaround on this episode, so I didn't get a chance to listen to it before it went out. I, th- I think uh, the Pro Emoji House was the winner. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Uh, although well. I, I might have been distracted, <laughs> I was distracted driving for sure. That's um, fair. Cool, yeah, that's a great show. And then, um, what else? You 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 work for Nerdist. Uh, you write for Nerdist. I write for Nerdist. I write for Sci-Fi. So a lot of just like nerdy nerdy things. If there's a, if there's a nerdy thing on TV or in a movie, I've probably written a piece about it somewhere. Oh, and uh, what are your things? You're you're. I know you're a Doctor Who uh, nerd. If I yeah. may say. Yeah, for Nerdist, that was actually the critic for Doctor Who for Series Eleven. So my job was to actually write reviews of every episode as they aired, which was and weird. Are, are you big into fantasy or sci-fi or both? Yes. Uh, yeah, Both and uh, I would say that those are my big ones. Hard, I, soft, whatever. Yeah, I, I I prefer soft. I think I like. I mean, 
for me, it's all, it's all about story. So if the story's good, I'm into it. I, I grew up on like Star Trek and Star Wars, and so I'm okay, kind of okay with like the spectrum of things. Mm-hmm. Hard um, sci-fi does tend to have less good stories sometimes. But if, if the author's trying too hard to be real and not hard enough to, yeah, like yeah, like some of the few it. examples, like exceptions are like the like expa- the books that the Expanse series is based on. I haven't, I I have to get a little more into both, but I do like that the Expanse tries to at least in the first part of the story be like no this is actually what it would look like if we were colonizing and we people would actually start growing differently and we'd have you know people would be taller out in the belt maybe shorter in these areas people mm-hmm. with more gravity would be a little bit more stout and that's interesting stuff like that and how always, long it takes to get places yeah i always appreciate that stuff although you know not uh, hopefully not to the detriment of the story uh, a friend of mine is working on a um a mars-based film and he was telling me about like they're communicating with Earth, and I was like, that takes four minutes, yeah, both ways. And he's like, uh, it, not for the story, we can't do it. Yeah. But they have to have a communication system, so we're just going to fake it. Yeah, what's well, uh, even worse know. in regards to like the Martian, where it and like where it takes like like they can only communicate like once a day, and they have to like send little bits of time yeah. at a time. And did you like that movie? I thought it was pretty good. I did that one, and that one's a little bit more hard sci-fi. That hu- one's very much like this is might be what it actually will be like if someone. I know the guy that I can't remember the the author's name, but he. He was an engineer, and he did like do a lot of research, um, yeah. apparently, to to try not to uh, break any hard and fast rules of physics. Yeah, I think I think everyone writing a sci-fi movie at this point is just trying not to get roasted by Neil deGrasse Tyson at some point on Twitter for it. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good luck, everyone. Yeah. Um, although if I'd there's love, fun, he'll find a way to ruin it. Uh, it true, but <laughs> I I uh, look forward to the day that I get roasted by Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we be, all we all should be so lucky. <laughs> that would be such a treat. Um, and, and what's your? Do you have a uh, a background in science at all, or did, were you a science fan when you were younger? Um, not really. Like I I started out thinking I was a fan of science, but I think I was more a fan of like fantasy science that you'd see in movies and TV shows. Mm-hmm. I think once I learned in real life that most science was just doing a lot of math, I was like kind of. <laughs> I'm not a big math person. Everybody so. bumps on the math. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the hard part for sure. Yeah. I think for me, in my mind, science was like back to the future, like wish fulfillment. Like, oh, I hit my head and thought of this idea for time travel. And then I just built this machine that travels through time. That's and, how like, I made the flux capacitor. Yeah, exactly. And that was kind of like, so for me, yeah, science was essentially just a more fancy magic wand for the era that I was a kid. Apropos of nothing, I just learned recently that uh, uh, Christopher... Uh, um, Lloyd. Yeah. I almost said Reed. In that movie. I almost said guest. <laughs> Christopher Lloyd in that movie was my age now, even though we think of him as a crazy old scientist. Yeah. He was he was like in his mid-40s when he made that movie. Well, that's actually the kind of fair one. because he's a crazy old scientist in 1985, but he's also younger in, in 1955, yeah, which is 30 years earlier. Which he is actually supposed to be in his 40s. Or yeah, so he was aged for the first... So I, I'm, a, I'm a little okay mm-hmm. with that one. I, yeah, That's one people like said to me, like, oh, can you believe it? I'm like, that one I kind of can believe. Yeah, I'm okay with that one. Yeah, I, I can believe it. It still, it still hurts a little. Yeah. <laughs> Being as old as uh, is uh, Doc, yeah, um, and that's what we're here to talk about today. We we uh, we decided we were going to talk about some time travel, yeah, and and I was so excited about it that I showed up a week early to <laughs> talk about it. Yeah, so. it's like you were you time traveled, yeah, to the podcast. Yeah, I basically sh- I accidentally came last week, and then uh, Dave had to very politely informed me that it was not my week to be here, <laughs> and so I just you know 
fired up the flux capacitor, came back, and now I'm here. It's only been about five minutes for me, but it's been a week for you. Yeah, so. you just you just uh, evaporated and yeah. uh, reappeared. Yeah, I just come from eating an Impossible Whopper, and then I went did the Impossible in childhood time. <laughs> is that the secret? The yeah. Impossible Whopper? Yeah, you got if you got you got to eat a science burger, and then you can do a science. Podcast. Not the Beyond Burger though; that won't do it. What are some of your favorite pop culture time travel stories? I'm a sucker for time travel. I I I will almost always watch a time travel story if if it's presented to me. Me too. Like I started watching The Flash only because people told me it had a lot of time travel in it, and I ended up loving it. But because I, ha- I had not given the Arrowverse a chance back when it was still just Arrow and The Flash, and then they were yeah. like, "Oh, we're going to introduce the Legends of Tomorrow show. We're just going to make a time travel adventure show." And I was like, "I am on board with that." So I will watch The Flash to get ready for this show. Oh, I didn't know Legends of Tomorrow was a time travel thing. Oh yeah, it's a whole. It's basically an American action Doctor Who. It's oh, wow. like to the point where like some of the other people like there's like the Time Masters or the like. <laughs> And, and like later on, like the time agency is who they're at. But yeah, the the and it even has uh, it even has the actor who played Rory on Doctor Who is on uh, Legends of Tomorrow as a time traveler. Rory is that? No, he's not the boy who waited. No, he's the he's the the girl who waited's boyfriend. He's the okay. He's the yeah. girl who waited's boyfriend. Yeah, yeah husband. That, that yeah. was that. It was yeah, the Rory Amy Pond. Yeah, yeah. The, I think that was my favorite uh, couple years of Doctor Who. It was a good run. It was a really good run. It was a really good story. Um, I like, in general, science-wise, I like how Doctor Who does time travel because they they don't do, and we'll get into the, like, changing realities and splitting universes thing, which a lot of people do, but yeah. what, what, what they're, as far as I understand it, um, there's one reality, but it only, like, congeals into truth when it's observed by, say, the Doctor or yeah. something. So, like... So they don't know what's going to happen in 1957 when he's there doing it. But if he goes back and goes and sees it again, the same thing's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. There's, a, there's an episode about that, about how, like, not not about that, but there's a moment in an episode they talk about. Was it in Blink, I think? Um, Blink, the, Blink, the, is, uh, Blink is where he has the, the big ball of timey angels. wibbly. Yeah. That's where he says the quote of time is a big ball of timey wibbly wibbly wobbly stuff. Yeah. And. To, admit, to, to quote the Neil deGrasse Tyson thing from earlier, I, I saw an interview with him one time where he actually said that, that that, in his mind, is one of the best depictions of time travel in pop culture mm-hmm. and, like, what it would, like, what time is like. If time is, like, not this, like, set, like, thing, it's, like, it's in flux, it's this quantum energy and stuff like that. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably not using any words that he used, but <laughs> but the the fact was when they they asked him about different depictions of pop culture time travel, and the one that he said was the most accurate to what it would be like is Doctor Who. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and because yeah, the, you have this this um, this concept in quantum reality that things um, are are sort of in a in a between state state yeah. until they. Uh, I keep saying congeal because I can't think of the right term, but until they sort of uh, are observed to to be, uh, yeah, to uh, the the waveform collapses and they are one thing or the other. Yeah, he talked. They talk about it on a lot on the show of like there are fixed points in time and space, and then everything else around is kind of this amorphous blob that can be altered and changed a little bit. But like fixed points can't be changed and stuff like that. Yeah, which uh, seems kind of how the universe works. Yeah, as opposed to like. I love Back to the Future, all of them, even the third one. Um, but uh, I, I, it always bothers me that like 
there's these multiple futures yeah. that that it, it comes from sort of the many worlds theory of uh, of quantum mechanics in that any uh, any decision made on a quantum level splits the universe into two yeah. and then there's you know infinite multiple universes that you can sort of go to um, which I don't think is really true and it it also bugs me because that means in my mind that means the bad future with when Biff is president still exists when he goes back. Like, yeah, he goes back. And they just move themselves and back fixes to a better it and timeline. Basically, moves yeah. himself to a better timeline, but he's leaving. Yeah, like by the nature of the world they set up, he's leaving that horrible place still there in existence. My biggest problem with the Back to the Future mechanics is that they set all these rules that like can't that they say like this is how it has to work, but then they don't always follow them. Like uh, a friend of mine pointed it out to me one time, and I've never been able to not see it now ever since then is that apparently Biff is exempt from all the rules of time travel because old Biff goes back in time to the 50s and touches his young self repeatedly <laughs> with, by hitting himself with the cane and stuff like that. He also, when he, there was the big thing of like, oh, we can't go, we can't go to 20... 15 and stop him from taking the DeLorean because now we'd be going to the future of the time that we're in instead of the time that we left. But Biff, when he leaves 1955 and gives himself the almanac and changes his own past, he goes forward into the other future because if he didn't, they wouldn't have had the DeLorean there to take back to begin with. So that's why we did it that way. But it's a huge plot hole because Biff... If Biff is able to go from 1955 to 2015 after getting himself the almanac, then there shouldn't be any paradox of time travel at all in the reality of that movie. Wait, so, so he, after he goes back to f- 55, he goes, he changes the future by giving himself the almanac. the almanac, and then he goes into the the bad future, right? No, Biff goes into the good future. Oh, he goes because, back into the good future because that's when Marty and Doc find the Del- DeLorean again, and then they take it back to 1985 oh. and they find out what Biff did when they went. To the future, so yep, yeah, doesn't hold up. Yeah, I don't like it. Turns anymore. out, Back to the Future, not the best time travel. <laughs> Turns out, it sucks this whole time. Did you like all three of them? I do. Uh, I think they all have their own charms and their own like fun things in a way. Uh, I, obviously, I think the first one is the best because yeah. the, the first one is the time travel in the first one is almost just like a, a, a foil to get Marty in the past and have this like fish out of water story of this guy and like, and have this like fun, weird story of what if you had to get your parents back together, or you'd stop existing, but it's not a movie yeah. necessarily like about the mechanics of time travel. It's just like, what's a weird way we could make time travel happen. So this story can happen. It's like, it's, it's that fantasy of wanting to go back to your younger, to, to when your parents were younger and shake them and be like, be cooler. Yeah. And then you go back to the future and they're cooler. <laughs> yeah, because like the story of Back to the Future could happen in uh, any other way of him. Like It could be like Peggy Sue Got Married where somehow he just wakes up and he's in the past. Like It could be a magical thing. They just use time, like a, like the flux capacitor and the DeLorean to give it like a cool like effect to get back there. But it's not really the... It's what we talked about, about hard versus soft sci-fi. I think it's definitely one of the examples of using soft sci-fi to tell a story versus like hard sci-fi that sacrifices a story to make sure the facts are correct. Yeah. They definitely, it, it, it's definitely soft. I, I mean, so what, what they're they're playing off of is the concept that a lot of science, sci-fi writers use, which I mentioned before, the many worlds theory, which is, which is about like it, the Einstein, Rosen, oh shit, the uh, paradox. What is yeah. it called? The EPR paradox. Yeah, it's the thing that's in that they use for sliders too. Um, yeah, which is about like uh, quantum entanglement and. Um, 
and quantum entanglement is when two photons or other particles go off in separate directions and they still have this some somehow they have this quantum connection and they still seem to uh have some effect over the state of the other one interesting um and um it's never been really resolved but one one of the sort of you know thought experiment resolutions of the epr paradox um is that you know the world just keeps splitting the universe just mm -hmm. keeps constantly splitting into to new universes I don't think that's going to be turn out to be the one that's correct, but maybe. Um, I just read some like internet like pseudoscience argument that 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 is a truth, true fact, and the universe that we're living in actually ended, and we got merged with another universe, and it's like that's like the people who's had that belief behind the Mandela syndrome or Mandela effect thing. It ended in November 2016, and. There's actually there's actually talk that the world ended in 2012 and that we got like merged with another universe and that's why the Mandela effect happens. Oh, is this like the, that. the Mayas were right? The Mayas yeah, right. there's like a thing of like lots of, like there was like I guess also like one of the things. I mean, this is also a tweet thread, so I I'm not saying it was like scientifically backed. <laughs> and there was at least one thing that, like one of the things they quoted was someone they're like this this 4chan thread said they were actually someone who worked at CERN and they discovered this. I'm like I wouldn't quote a 4chan thread as as a factual thing if it was the only thing that would get my family off death row. Like, yeah. I wouldn't... Everyone on 4chan claims they are an expert at something. Yeah, 4chan is a site that exists to troll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but the, the argument they made for it was that, like, I guess, like, some... There was some sort of study some years ago, and they weren't getting any signals before 2012 because there was no future beyond that or something like that. It was the weirdest thing. Of course. Thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wishful thinking. It's kind of like the um, the Paddington um, or, or the Mandela paradox yeah. uh, thing where people... That, that's what they say. They were trying to use the Mandela effect as an argument as to why uh, the the universe is merged. Like, oh, these like these subtle differences in the universe. Yeah. And I'm like, you thought Mandela died in prison because you weren't paying attention to the news, not yeah. because the universe suddenly split into two. Yeah, I always like the ones too, where it's like people find out. Like one of the one of the examples they cited was that J.C. Penney has an extra E in it. They didn't know, and they're like freaking out about it. I'm like. <laughs> But it did have an extra E. And as a kid, I didn't know it at first, and then one day I realized it. And that's just like, it's just because it's somebody's name and not yeah. like it last. And like the whole and thing I with said the Berenstain Bears. Bear. When yeah. I was a kid, because I didn't know how to pronounce things. Yeah. And so did a lot of people. And it's written in cursive, so you can't 100% like you don't immediately clock it. So. Yeah. I never understood the merging of universes thing. Like. Yeah. Because because of of chaos, like even even seconds after two universes split apart they would be so different immediately yeah. that merging just makes no sense i think that if universes merged we'd have a lot different levels of like mixed memories than just hey this book has a different author's title like you'd have people who had vastly different memories than other people in the world you also would have like some people who died who would like suddenly be alive again you'd be like wait like I, and the only yeah. person it wouldn't just be Nelson Mandela like it would be, be like someone like, in your family or something like that or in a quantum state of Alive and dead, like yeah. Schrodinger's cat. Because I always think it about that like a with horror, <laughs> horror premise. Yeah, because that's my big frustration with the Marvel thing now. The MCU is that like I don't think that Endgame. they have post Endgame. 
I don't. I think that they're kind of noping over a lot of the huge philosophical issues with having five, having half the population disappear for five years, then reappear five years later. Like I think that the idea that there is still like a functioning society after that happened, especially like a few months later, like in Spider Man, is crazy balls. Like there's no yeah. way that wouldn't have led to like regime changes and like like so many things that happened. Like people who are like. Who, whose spouses moved on and married somebody else in the last five years, oh, sure. things like that. Somebody moved into your house. Yeah. And they do mention briefly, they do try to touch on that in Spider-Man as a thing of like, oh, they're raising money for people who were displaced by the blip. So like they're trying to address it, but they're like, they're like kind of going, yeah, it's happening, but we're never going to show it or make it seem like it's a problem in any way, shape or form. I mean, it was kind of a cop out because, um, they didn't want to kill off, uh, you know, six million people in in the movie. But the the real, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, dilemma could have been: Do we fix it so Thanos didn't win, or do we? Oh, and and in doing so, evaporate ten million people who yeah, were who, born, who was born since then. Yeah, who were born since then. Um, or do we not and just let it let you know it go? So yeah. they kind of they were like, oh, we have it both ways. Everybody's alive from yeah. both universes. Doesn't work which that is a way. A little bit of cop out, but I understand they're they're Marvel. They don't want to like a story about you know the you know they don't want the, the winning final story arc to be that you know millions yeah. of babies <laughs> were murdered yeah they wanted well they wanted to have this massive stakes story and then they wanted it to actually feel like there was a real threat and there was a real like there were real stakes to it mm-hmm. but and if you just nope it all away then that means those no stakes weren't really real to begin with so that's why like the only stakes really happened and anybody who like physically died did die but yeah at the end of the day it's like it's the, it was their way of trying to like have like both keep the stakes real but also still have a universe to play movies in after that mm-hmm. and i don't know if they really i think they i think they're it's the first time in that franchise especially where i feel like oh you guys made a huge mess for yourself and you're not even gonna clean it up you're just gonna move like i, I don't know how it's gonna work as the movies go forward so yeah i think they're just gonna uh hum hum and keep walking you know nothing to see here because up until now up until infinity war i think they did a decent job of presenting Marvel's cinematic universe as like a version of our universe if superheroes were there and things were happening and there was a connection but I think that post that snap they can know it's now this completely altered world that will never be like even close to resembling our world again yeah um, still a fun movie oh but, I loved it but um, yeah I just yeah. drove me but you know talking it, about uh, time travel, especially because the the picture that you got up on your thing looks like the back of that time truck. It looks like the thing oh, that yeah, they used the, into the, the quantum Man truck. Yeah. Um, and and uh, this is a story that uh, we might as well talk about. Yeah. Uh, about quantum teleportation. It's a real thing. It's happening. Um, kind of. Not not in the Star Trek sense of like humans being teleported, mm-hmm. but they have figured out a way. To basically teleport an atom, let's say a hydrogen atom, a long distance without it traveling that distance. And the way that works is that it's not exactly the same atom, but um, as far as we know, a hydrogen atom has state like a spin and and whatever quantum state it has. Um, 
it's indistinguishable from another hydrogen atom that has the same state, spin, yeah. everything. So you can you can read the state of the atom and using entangled photons shooting off in two different directions uh, transfer the exact state of the one atom on Earth to another atom on Mars. Oh, interesting. So uh, basically, it doesn't work faster than light. It works at the speed of light because photons go at the speed of light. But yeah, we have basically no like, light barrier. So. Yeah, um, and probably never will. Probably uh, it's, it's, it's shooting information from one place to another without any loss of information. So they can basically make this atom exactly equal to that atom over there. And if you extend that into the future, I mean, teleportation could just be reading you your atoms in your body and you know finding out the state of all billion atoms in your body mm-hmm. shooting that information on a light beam to mars and then reassembling that exact state with everything yeah um in, in its exact place which is the star trek thing essentially that is yeah. what they, that's what transporters the transporters next generation kind of talked about that right? yeah that was the whole thing with the like Thomas Riker storyline was that like a, a friend of mine talks about how like I don't think people realize that essentially what the transporters do is kill a person and then create yeah. a brand new copy of them somewhere else. Because here's the thing, what I just described when you read your 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 body's atoms and then send that information and build it in another place, you don't have to disassemble the person to read all the information from their atoms. Yeah. So what you're really doing is copying them. Yeah. On Mars. And murdering the one yeah. <laughs> on Earth. And then hopefully if what we believe uh, is true, that all the state of your mind is in your brain. And yeah. Because due to the structure of your brain, you on the other side, your copy, uh, on the other side of the transport would feel like you just moved across yeah. the galaxy. But in reality, you have been killed and reassembled basically. yeah the interesting thing would be to find out if the per- if the, the copy created elsewhere still retained the same consciousness and memories as the person who was destroyed to make it happen yeah i think they would i think it would probably because as far as science has ever has d- discovered yet there's no outside soul sorry yeah. everybody there's no soul as far as we can tell that is controlling our brain the, the entire everything you're thinking and everything you're remembering is contained inside of your head um so theoretically you could completely reassemble that somewhere else yeah i think right we talked technology. about this almost a little bit on when i was a guest on your old podcast i think i think we had this almost exactly did we have this conversation yeah, I think so. with chan yeah because we got really into it about like data being copied versus data being moved and stuff like that and like yeah the idea of like is there a soul is consciousness at all is, it, is there any sort of like quantum exteriors consciousness and stuff like that but oh man i yeah. forgot i should go back and listen although those aren't the science tricks isn't up anymore yeah yeah um but but yeah uh the Riker story you mentioned is is when the signal bounced back split. and made a second Riker. yeah it bounced and split right yeah so one Riker went back to the Enterprise and thought mm-hmm. everything was normal. The other Riker bounced back and reappeared. He on, was like on a planet, right? Yeah, it was like he was being almost like the, the the data had been saved in the teleporter, and then was like 
well, the transporter, and then was like reconstituted on the planet. And so he like spent the next like five years stuck on that planet. Oh, the not transporter that, was like, yeah. oh, that was an error. It didn't go through, so I'm gonna reassemble him here. Yeah, and not knowing that a version of him actually got out of it and went on to live as his normal life for the next five years. Yeah, that's a really good story. Yeah. Um, what else? Have you ever seen the movie uh, Primer? Yeah, it's been a while, but I like Primer was really interesting. Primer was really cool. Uh, Sean uh, something is the name of the guy that wrote that. Um, yeah. Shane. Shane. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Look it up. Shane, look IMDb. it up. I think that's his Primer. Thing. Shane, look it up on Google. Yeah. Um, Primer's really good because it's it's sort of the best depiction I think I've ever seen of time travel being in the sense that... Um, what a lot of people talk about, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson talked about this. Uh, if you if you travel to, say, uh, next month in the future, the Earth and the Sun and the whole solar system would have moved. even the galaxy would have moved. Yeah. So you would reappear a month from now in the middle of space, space where yeah. where the Earth used to be. Um, but what they do is have this sort of. Um, a quantum compartment that you go into that sort of exists on Earth and is moving with Earth. Yeah. And it's and you you go in at you go in today and you come out last Thursday. Yeah. Um, so you can't travel back in time to earlier than when it was when it when it was created when you because created you need the, the cabinet to get in and out of it. Yeah. yeah. And then they create this crazy storyline where there's a bunch of different devices. Some of them people don't even know exist and um and people keep going in keep going in and emerging in the past and there's like three four copies of everybody and, yeah yeah and like the same guy like is basically like going through and like recording old conversations that he had and then like like going back and like reliving them and saying the same thing he said before but like knowing when to change things and stuff like that yeah like trying to control the the, the narrative and yeah have this fail safe where that he goes back to the very beginning but that still doesn't yeah. uh it gets confusing and you know don't try to you know parse it all but uh yeah because i think i saw i, I read something about like uh who was the one that that dropped that dropped off the car here or something like that like yeah they, it's not all completely uh probably if you if you go through with a fine tip comb yeah. well it's it's impossible really to Make a time travel story that doesn't have some paradoxes in it. Like yeah. I think, I think that the nature of a time travel story is that you're altering something, which means if nothing else. You're at least getting a bootstrap type paradox at some point. We're like, because you wouldn't have done this thing if this hadn't happened. So then your whole future is affected by it as a result of that. So just kind of is there a certain point where if you're if you're a fan of time travel as a narrative, you have to kind of accept like there's going to be at least one paradox or one plot hole somewhere in this. Yeah. I like what Futurama did when Fry went back and killed his grandfather. Yeah. Do you remember that one? Yeah, and he becomes his own grandfather. And then, yeah. And then he hooks up with his grandma, and he's like, that must not have been my grandfather because he's dead now and uh, basically creates his own father. Yeah, and then he actually has a like mental difference in the future because of the fact that he's his own grandfather so yeah like, that's why it, that's why the Nickelodeons defeat, are able to use him yeah helps him defeat the brain spawn yeah in the future because he doesn't have alpha waves in his brain or something like that yeah the the futurama does actually a pretty decent job with time travel stuff like and there's always like these like these secret things of like the like there's the fact that like if you watch in the first season you can actually see the shadow of nibbler right being like they actually planned it that way and yeah 
the Nibbler is there in the first episode, even though... Yeah, and it, eventually Fry goes back in time and chooses himself to push himself into the chamber, and before that happens on the show, there's an episode where you see that scene again, and you see Fry's shadow in the scene as well, so... Yep. Um, they, they mostly do a good job, although uh, in the, the first movie, uh, Bender's big score... There's something that really bothers me. They they have that the universal time code, and w- when you say it, a ball ex- uh, yeah. appears, and you jump in, and you can go anywhere in time. But then, um, okay, how do I explain this? Then they always like they have a guy go into the time sphere and go back to yesterday, and then there's two of him. Yeah, but that's not how it would work because. If one person goes back to yesterday, there will be two of you until today, and then there'll be one of you because yeah, yeah. one of you went back. The one went back. But, well, unless the one going back, then if the time—that's where you get the paradox. Because like, if the time—if if that person doesn't go back again, now you have two of you. But now it's like, well, then who? But if you didn't go back, then that one disappears. So that's where it's like one of them has to die because he didn't go back. Yeah, or would cease I, to exist. That's or, a decent explanation of it. Yeah, the Flash kind of tries to get around that. By having it be that, like, when it, when history has changed, it takes a little bit of time for, like, time itself to readjust and, like, for, like, a new timeline to, to mm-hmm. emerge over Sort it. of, yeah. See, so, like, you are changing your current timeline, but it, it takes, like, a ripple effect. So a character from the future in one episode, like, she completely changes the past in a way that now makes it so that, like, her her timeline wouldn't have happened and so she ceases to exist as we know her so she vanishes from the story because but it takes it doesn't happen right away it's like the disappearing photo yeah exactly and back to the future um i was gonna say i'm umming too much i was gonna say that i think doctor who kind of uses that same principle as primer of like you have to have this cabinet it just happens to be the TARDIS also is able to it, it itself is able to move forward and backward in time mm-hmm. but that's why it's time and relative dimension in space like it's it's and I think that uh, Paper Girls the comic also addresses the fact that a time machine itself has to be a space a, a spaceship a as space well. Spaceship, yeah. You have to be able to move in time and space, or otherwise, it's like you said, if you went back in time to the exact spot you left, you'd be in the, in space. So anything that is a time machine has to itself be able to move through space as well. And I think that's why, like the TARDIS has, like that's where you get into like a little bit more of like there's a vortex of time that you go through. But yeah, so, yeah. and the TARDIS has existed for ever too right yeah it's like it's like the thing that when time lord society figured out how to do time travel the tardis is like the machines they invented let them do that so they've been around for like millennia in their society yeah and they're sort of sentient beings in themselves too right yeah well it's kind of like this really really advanced ai essentially does he isn't there an episode where he meets the tardis is a becomes a woman and yeah they they get pulled into a a pocket dimension date or something (laughs) Well, not really, but they, the episode's called The Doctor's Wife, and the premise is that like the TARDIS has been around him so long that she's basically his wife, because that's uh-huh. like his most constant companion is the TARDIS. The premise of that episode is that they get pulled into a pocket dimension, and there's like a sentient, like almost like omnipotent force in that dimension. That, like it's like this asteroid they're on, and the asteroid feeds off of uh, the like quantum signature of Time Lords, and so it like draws TARDISes in, and then like it basically transfers the Basically, it's like transferring the program of the AI of the TARDIS into a physical body. Yeah. And so that way, the TARDIS itself doesn't have the 
like control so over it. So it can't. Okay. So I can't. So leave. it can't leave. Yeah. Um. And it just. And then yeah. Yeah. They, they imply that yeah the doctor and her are sort of. Yeah, there's like a flirtation a and like it's like a fun. There's there's a joke about it, like Amy Pond says like, "Did you wish really really hard?" <laughs> like, yeah. Yep, love it. Um, let's see what else. There's some good time travel stories. Terminator. Terminator is one of those ones too where it's That's problematic. It's the, though the rules get thrown out every movie, so things yeah. get changed there. In fact, like. Nothing after two, like right. right? Yeah. I mean, after two, it just gets crazy. Yeah, and I think that the newest one. It's funny because they're just trying every, to reset it. Every set of sequels they make ignores everything after two. So, yeah. like, like the well, the, the, there was there was Rise of the Machines, which is after two, and then there was like the attempt to do the like futuristic one, Salvation, which I don't think I think that one ignored that three happened, and then I think Genesis ignored that that one or three happened, and then this new one is going to say that 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 one Genesis or three didn't happen, and the TV series didn't happen. But I, I guess if you go with the idea that um, all these timelines still exist, yeah, and even the, even if uh, it, you know the Connor John Connor or, or uh, Linda. Linda, Linda Hamilton. Hamilton are successful. I said Linda Carter, but Linda, Linda Carter Hamilton is what I was yeah. thinking too. Um, that the other bad timelines are still there yeah. somewhere. That's um, I think the premise that the TV show went with. I think I think there was like a thing in the TV show where different time travelers actually had like a different memory of when Judgment Day happened. Like there was different Judgment Days for each each, each reality because they like mm-hmm. kept trying to stop things from happening by going back in time but all they did was make new timelines where the same things happen at different points okay that's interesting because the the main um the, the problem with the first terminator and i think also again futurama does a good job of uh parodying this is that if they if they send somebody back from the bad timeline to the past to fix it then they will never get sent to the ba- to the yeah. past because the bad timeline doesn't happen, yeah. and they don't get sent to the ba- past. I guess that actually works as long as you're accepting in the reality of this universe that these split timelines all still exist. Because like, right. so the universe that he is from still exists, but he just made a. That's actually what Endgame mentions a little bit. Like part of why they have to at the end go back and put all the Affinity Stones back is if they don't, they're creating five like darker universes that are going to be because they left the they like change things that the infinity stones needed to be there for yeah they probably you know they probably fucked up so much stuff oh yeah of course already because that was like the thing that like in when when the ancient one is like if you take this out you're making me a new branch that will never like if if dr strange doesn't have this time stone when he needs it then the other thing will take over so you've ruined this whole timeline so like they have to bring that time stone back and give it to her again oh yeah the thing is, like, oh, it's hard because, like, I'm trying to, in my mind, separate time travel stories that are science-based and ones that are complete fantasy-based. Like, one of my favorite time travel stories in the last several years is just a dumb romantic comedy that was on Netflix called uh, When We First Met. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's a completely fantasy one. That one's, like, they go into a photo booth and it sends them back in time to the night that he met this woman. But I liked it because it's very much a story about probability and, like... The decisions you make and the things you do shape who you are as a person. So, like, you can't just go back. It, it's it's very much a similar plot to like Bedazzled, where uh-huh. it's like the devil keeps like, yeah, you get these promises, but it's not going to be what you th- what you want it to be. Yeah. And so each re- each each future he comes back to after changing something is like not quite what he wants it to be. And like this future, he's like an asshole. And this future, like like she this this happened and like 
so it's 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 a good story as far as like learning to like take your mistakes and let them become who you are, but also like how do you become a better person because of them, and as opposed, but it's I don't know if I would say scientifically it's a good sci- time yeah. travel story because it's more it's of a sliding magical. doors thing where you're like yeah you know your choices have consequences down the line and let's see what both yeah so it's that's more magical realism than it is like science fiction mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of good science fiction time travel stories and I'm mad at myself that I can't think of more because I love like another good magical realism one is about time where like it's just oh everyone all the men in our family can travel through time and it's not like a real like like and then a good book is not a great movie, but the book that it's based on uh, is Time Traveler's Wife, which kind of also is like, oh, there's just like an era where humans start being born with the ability to like travel through time as like, and like the character in the book is the first one to do that. And then like later, like his, his daughter can do it. And then there's an implication that other humans born had that ability too. But it's, again, it's kind of just meant to be like a metaphor for like waiting and making people like, like being in different places than somebody else you love at the same time and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like love in the time of cholera with, time travel yeah exactly um if you know what that book is um it's about like waiting 80 years to yeah finally be with your love yeah well it's very much because like the idea of like yeah you're like waiting for someone your, your partner dies and you're waiting to see them again because you're hoping the time traveler world here at some point in your future life and mm-hmm. it's like with like when someone you know dies and you're waiting for them like you just wish you could see them again and there's also the element of like when like meeting your future partner when they're a child but then you meet they meet you when you're an adult and it's like this weird thing and yeah oh that's kind of that's kind of terrible meeting, yeah meeting your partner when they're a child it, well it's basically like the the main character the 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 man the relationship henry doesn't meet claire until like he's already like a grad student but when he meets her she's known him her whole life because he first appeared to her like an older version to him uh-huh. like arrived when she was a child like he like arrived like like, because they only travel to points that like are significant to them. So, because his future wife lived here and like grew up here, like that's why he travels to that spot or whatever. But um, that happens to Amy Pond too, right? The doctor meets yeah. her when she's a little kid and then doesn't come back for yeah. It's like five minutes for him, but he comes back and years. it's like yeah. Um, but I was thinking it's also a lot like that SNL sketch. Have you remember the sketch? I think it was a couple years ago where uh, it's all men on the panel and they're like, um, they're all married men and they're like, we're, we're going to introduce you to your, uh, your second wife. Your second wife. And they're all like little kids. And they're all like kids. Yeah. And there's like one woman who's like, oh, she's not so, she's not so young. And then you know, she's actually pregnant with your second wife right oh now. Oh my God. <laughs> um, which is gross but hilarious because a lot of older men date younger women yeah um and it's it's weird to think about i'm, I'm dating someone 12 years younger than me and um uh, which is fine now because we're old adu- uh, you know not old but we're adults but like i don't want to think about when i was uh 22 and she yeah. was 10 and, you know i'm actually in the exact same boat i'm dating someone who's 25 and i'm in my like mid 30s uh-huh. and same thing and she'll occasionally go oh, boy i wish i'd known you like what, what how weird is like like she talks about like i i was like a i used to like hostess at a restaurant in in like my hometown and she's like my family would go eat that restaurant like what if we were there at the same time like i don't want to think about that <laughs> like I, I think it's weirder for me than it is for her like i think that she thinks of it like it's like and it's it like you said it's fine now because we're it just adults. seems creepier that yeah they would have been a little kid uh, when you were already an adult yeah it's like i i like if i met you then i would have thought of you as a kid at the restaurant it wouldn't even like occur to me like it's like i don't want to think of it that way it's like but like as 
meeting you at the age that I met you and when you met me, it's way more appropriate. But like, it's like it, it's not a cute fantasy for me to think about it in that regard. And I think it is no. for her in a way that's like not, yeah, for me. But good sketch. One yeah. of the better SNL sketches recently. Yeah, made me really. It was, I liked it a lot. Especially because that one's very much about like, oh, your your wife got too old for you and you left her for someone who was younger. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like you're like you're wasting weight until she ages out of being your wife, and now. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm trying to think well, of other good, and I had a bunch in my head last week when I was showing up to do this. I know I had a list of them too in that email. Yeah, because um, I'm, I'm trying to like, yeah, like I said, I'm trying to focus more on ones that are science based. Like, like Time Cop is a good example of one that I saw, I, I saw Time Cop, but I don't remember. Uh, what happens really time cop is very much of the variety of like if you change a thing in the past like you will alter the future like there's the mm. there's the uh, character who's like the younger version of this like the villain and they just like kill him so then the villain dies too because his younger self was killed okay looper does that looper's looper. a good one that's, looper's one, a good that's one. one we forgot to talk about that we had i think it was on our list yeah um yeah that that's about um what you go back and kill somebody and then um, what was it? It's assassins. It's like time assassins, right? The basic premise of Looper is that time travel exists in the future, but it's illegal and it's oh. heavily. And then the, like there's like organized criminals. They send like, their like, criminals back yeah, in time. Well, basically, the mob in the future does assassinations where they send their hits back in time, and then the Loopers are people in the past who are like live in the present day but have been hired by the mob to kill these future like like hits basically yeah so basically doing they're doing hits for the mob in the future in their present day and, so, and they can't get arrested because nobody will miss these people yeah in, in their timeline exactly and then what ends up happening is like their eventual like eventually their future self will come back and they'll have to kill their future self and that's called like closing the loop yeah so and it's basically like when you once you've killed your future self and you closed your loop, you get like because they actually like strap their payment to the back of the person they're killing. Yep. And so then the person that they kill is like the yeah the, the person that dies is their like future self. And like once they know they've they've killed their future selves, they know they have like this many years to to hide out until they get like they get sent back and they're like they're yeah. going to be killed or just you know live your life until you're as old as the person you just. Killed. Yeah, and like and like they like they try to like hide and get not get found and stuff like that. It's really complicated, and there's like elements to it. Like Jeff Daniels plays a character who was sent back from the future, and his job is to hire the loopers to like and like run them. And there's a whole lot of elements to it of like, well, by by ha- by hiring people in the past to be assassins, you're immediately altering the future at that point because you're giving all these new people suddenly new pathways they wouldn't have had previously. Right. But it's also a good example of a movie that seems to imply that time can be changed without changing the reality you're in like if you kill someone so because the way that at the end of the movie joseph gordon levitt's character solves the problem with bruce willis's character is he kills himself and that makes bruce willis cease to exist yeah and there's moments in the movie where that is like changed where like there's a character who comes back from the future and his his past self fails to kill him and then the way that like the the mob 
punishes him for that is they like take him into like they like they basically torture him and you see his future self like starting to like lose limbs as they're like cutting his arms off and stuff like that and then he like it's it's really strange i forgot about that part yeah i the only thing i'm the main thing i remember about that is the fake bruce willis face they they put on which they didn't need to do it's the weirdest choice they made to do that because first of all We've all believe. seen younger Bruce Willis, and we know he doesn't look like Joseph Gordon-Levitt with that face Bruce, fake Bruce Willis face. Yeah. So it's like, if you're going to ask us to spend disbelief that that face is this guy, we could have also just believed just this guy was that make guy. Make him look like moonlighting Bruce Willis. They should just do a deep fake with moonlighting Bruce Willis's head, <laughs> on on and uh, re-release it. Yeah, and I mean, like, you easily could have just done it. There's a there's a sequence in that movie that like shows you what. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character's life was like up until he became Bruce Willis, and like you see him like going through his time, his original timeline before it got changed, and like all you had to do was that's when you do the fake face and like slowly merge this character into this character, as opposed to having this weird face the entire movie. Mm-hmm. But that movie does a good job of it, besides the ending, it pretty much doesn't violate any any time travel stuff. It just yeah, it seems like you know sending someone into the past to kill them doesn't doesn't really affect the future or you know if it did affect the future it's already has affected the future i yeah. guess you would say oh safety not guaranteed that was a good movie not really yeah so much about time travel yeah that one the time travel is kind of almost like a, a gag at the end time uh, hot tub time machine does a terrible job yeah but that's it's just, just like a, magical realism time just machine. A comedy but fact th- about time travel is actually a really interesting one that that's a weird story too where basically like the company that made it went out of business and I think the the oh, writer yeah. somebody involved with it like died after making it, like the executive producer or something, and so it just kinda got buried. It was this British Is sci-fi that movie. Right? That one's actually really interesting. I that saw one I that. recommend. Oh, okay. It's on I think it's on Netflix. Um I didn't know why it got buried because it seemed like a pretty decent movie. It was one of those things where like the like the like the the company that made it, like like the person who ran it died or something and so it like got like it fell through the cracks essentially. That, that's also that's one very much about like you can change the timeline and like it's a lot about like the timeline keeps getting changed because people keep coming back to like make changes and they keep trying to like fix stuff and um, yeah and it's got a good cast um, Chris yeah Chris, o- Chris, Chris O'Dowd, O'Dowd who is great and everything Anna Ferris is Anna in that Ferris movie frequently asked questions about time travel 2009 yeah. the the writer of that episode actually went on of that movie went on to write some of my favorite Doctor Who uh, episodes of the era of Peter Capaldi's era. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, it's... Uh, it's um, Jamie Matheson? Yeah, Jamie Matheson. Matheson. He went on to write... Um, he, he wrote Mummy on the Orient Express, and he wrote uh, Flatlines, which was like the next episode, and he also then went on to write in the most recent... The last Peter Capaldi season, he wrote Oxygen, which is the one about, like people working on some like distant mining station and it's like it's the really like skating takedown of capitalism where the company they're working for is like pay, making charging them for the oxygen they have to keep using in their own suits oh yeah and if they don't pay for it they lose the oxygen because there's no oxygen on the ship itself nice yeah i remember that yeah uh, that's cool did you ever see source code um yeah duncan um uh, david bowie's kid duncan what's his name that's the one that like Jake Gyllenhaal is it keeps like re rewitnessing this like thing and it implies that they're actually they actually are creating new universes and they didn't realize they were throughout the course of the movie. But inside well, kind of, yeah. The inside a computer, sort of, right? Yeah, but then the reality they're creating is real because Jake Gyllenhaal like ends up 
kind moving of into moving that reality. forward into it, or at least yeah. he thinks he does. It's in the simulation, yeah. Uh, I, I took it to mean that he sort of like fantasizes that he moves forward in that universe. Yeah, and they could have shut off the. He might just switch. be living in like the data, st- like in the in the in, in the, the system. In it the might data. be like a very. Um, uh, What's the Black Mirror thing? Um, uh, oh, the, co- the cookies? Yeah, they? the cookies and the... Well, I was trying to think of the actual... Like, San Capistrano? Yeah, yeah. The San, the San Junipero. Junipero. Uh, I can't believe I'm like, bad lesbian. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Where, like, Because like, there is a part where he like sends a message to... What's her face? Um, the act, uh, Not Diane Lane. Um, there's like an actress. Who does? Oh, in Source Code? Yeah, she's like the scientist working on the project. And like once he moves into the other world and like takes over the consciousness of somebody who was on that train like he sends a message to her Michelle Monaghan no Vera Formiga it might be Vera Formiga um I think that's who it is yeah she's like the scientist that's like working on the project and like he sends a version to to the version of her that's in that universe like sends her a message like hey you need to help the version of him it's like the blown out like veteran character yeah yeah but so that I like how they do it in that movie because it's sort of they construct they reconstruct a reality of, of of the universe in the the computer simulation, yeah. And then they they know everything about this train and what's on it, and he just has to keep going back and fo- in, in into the yeah. simulation. Um, and I won't spoil what's really happening exactly, but I think um, I might have already done that. But maybe, yeah. but I don't think so. Yeah. Um, well, I probably did, but seeing. I also was speaking in a way that was so confusing that I don't think anyone was spoiled <laughs> you, by it. Right. You haven't figured it out about what we've just said. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's those are uh, what else? Uh, time crimes. I never saw that. Well, those are the only ones that I'm pulling up here. Yeah, those are like H.G. The Wells' ones. The Time Machine. You know, yeah. That's one of the original ones. And that one's really, you know, move, more moving into the future, which is mo- – there is – I mean, you can move into the past in his storyline, but it's much mm-hmm. more – it's it's much more of a philosophical idea of, like, he does, where I the think, world will change. But Go into the past briefly. Yeah, he, well, he it, goes back to his own time. It's another one where there's a self-contained machine that you have to be in and go. Yeah, there's, there's some interesting stuff in that one, especially in the, like, movie, the one they did about – 15, 20 years ago, that was like, I think Jeremy Irons was the leader of the Morlocks. And oh, really? there's this battle scene that, in my mind, is so horrifying because he basically is outside of the time bubble that the machine creates, but like his hands are reaching into it. And so, as, mm. as H2, as the like, the, the hero character is moving forward in time. His the the guy holding him, his hands are like staying the same age, but outside the time bubble. Is like aging rapidly, and it's like it's like you're watching this like character die and decay. And in my head, I'm like, that's horrific because that means that happened over the course of like weeks and months and years in his timeline, except for his hands. Which like, did the hands get ripped off? Did the hands? Does he see his own hands? Is he stuck there for decades, like holding him? Yeah, that's basically what. I mean, in my mind, I I love to see. He would have died of starvation, though. Yeah, obviously, like that's why I'm saying like he would have died over the course of like weeks, and then his body would sit there like. Like elevated and decay, and I'm like, I, I always wonder in in the reality of the time machine storyline, what does the world look like where the time machine is moving forward into? Like what, like, like do you always see the time machine there? If you're if you're standing in a spot where it comes through, do you see it coming through, or does it only appear or just appear for like a second? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I was under the impression that it sort of becomes invisible somehow when it's moving faster time. But yeah, I was too. But because of what happens with that 
murder scene. It makes yeah. you wonder what it looks like to people outside of I it. I mean, in like quote unquote reality, if it was even if it was moving super fast through time, you would still just see it as a machine sitting there. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think you would see it as a machine, and I think it would be like there's a there's a great Doctor Who plot actually, which is the it was Peter Capaldi's last big story besides the Christmas special where he regenerated where there is a ship that's being pulled towards a black hole and as a result of that time moves differently from the front of the ship to the back of the ship because oh. it's so close to the black hole so when you're on the the deck of the ship 12 minutes have passed but when you're on the rear of the ship which is further away from the the black hole like generations have passed so at one point they were like oh well we sent people down to the back of the ship to find something and then now there's like the population seems to be different because like they've they've like grown and like built cities and built civilizations and like like birthed children and moved on that's and like, amazing yeah and so like when people are watching the the bridge of the ship from the tail end of the ship they see this infinitely slow moving scene playing out because it's been like generations for them but people on the on the bridge don't even know that this is all happening underneath them that's that's kind of like um interstellar uh which isn't quite time travel but they it the it's an amazing scene with jeffrey wright he stays in the uh the shuttle up in space and the other ones go down to the planet for four hours yeah and they get stuck and they come back up and he's aged 22 years yeah and he's an old man and he's like you know, I've just been up here waiting for you for two decades by myself. Yeah, because of the way that like gravity wells and stuff work with different planets and different like bodies and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's another one that's pretty accurate in terms of the the physics that they use. I mentioned um, in terms of actual science that the um, teleportation uh, Chinese scientists have um, have done this over a, like a, a spans of like four thousand miles across the globe, basically, where they have teleported. Mm-hmm. Um, small atoms. Do they uh, have to have a chamber at both ends, or can they just make it show up in a random place? Um, yes, they have. They have a setup on both ends. Because I was say otherwise, like the ramifications of that is horrifying. Because basically, someone could essentially put a bomb in one end and then just have a bomb appear somewhere else, some in another area of the world. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's it's yeah. You would have to have a, a piece of technology at both ends because you would have to read the the stream of entangled particles to uh, assemble the item. Yeah, it's um, like the time travel thing we talked about earlier where like you have to have the cabinet. You can't you can't travel to previous before the cabinet exists. Yeah, exactly. And um, I, I was thinking you could have like like two like it's like two ends of a hose where one end uh, has the thing you want and the other end you can move it wherever you want and just yeah. spit out whatever whatever you're uh, teleporting. If they can make it work, it would definitely I don't know if they would ever be able to make it work in a way that would be like ethical for, for humans and, and stuff like that. But I think it would be an interesting way to transport like supplies over like a long distance. Like if you have, sure. if you have like drought conditions somewhere and you need to get like food somewhere fast and you can transport food across like the globe, that would be pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, we, we were, we're getting close to having uh, replicators uh, that can, that can sort of make food. So yeah, yeah, you could like put a pizza on one side and, 
replicated on the other side. Or you wouldn't even need the, the original pizza. You could just if you if you know yeah, what a pizza you just code have is. the data coded. Yeah, because a lot of food that exists already is essentially a clone of food that are like when it comes to like fruits and vegetables and stuff like that. Like I, I remember reading somewhere like all bananas are essentially a clone of the same banana. I've, and I've heard that too. Yeah, which I don't know if that's how true that is because not every banana is the same shape, but. But something like I think it's with apples too. Like if if you get a Honeycrisp apple, it's it's from the same tree that's been around for. I mean, they have multiple trees, but they keep grafting. Yeah. In one onto the next, so that it's the exact. So outcome. I feel like if you could like break down a certain type of like food to its like like atomic code, you could essentially create that food without having to have the original. You'd have like that, that basically that, that data pattern stored and you could just tell it to recreate it over and over again. So if you want your tea Earl Grey hot, you would know exactly, the computer would know how to make that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it would also could just add water to tea bags, which would be much easier, but... Oh yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, the... Yeah, I think the food replicators are, are kind of going to be a thing. They can't really like build apples right now, but they can sort yeah. of um, almost like a 3D printer print like, you know, a burger or whatever, like a, a substance out of um, mm -hmm. component particles. Yeah, which will be an interesting thing. We, you know, we, might, we started the show talking about the vegetarian burgers and stuff like that. Like I know they're like getting to a point where they can essentially grow actual meat in a laboratory where it's not yeah. – it's not – vegetarian meat it's real meat but it doesn't come from an animal yeah they've been building um human or you know just uh, uh organs uh like a, a lung and, and a heart and and muscle which be, which uh, turns into the meat yeah um i did read about they they grew a human or not human they grew a like a cow muscle substitute but it's yeah. like a real living organ in a petri dish kind of yeah um i'm sure it's more complicated than that and then they ground it up and they made burgers out of it and people ate it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i think that that will be because they, they, some of the biggest issues we have with like uh pollution a lot of it has to do with like livestock and the amount yeah. of methane gases that are being sent out from livestock so if they can find a way to make more meat than you would get from like factory farming with like less without having to actually raise the animals like that would be a huge leap forward and talking yeah, about not to mention the ethical ramifications of having you know chickens in cages and for you sure know, all kinds of animals and, and raising them to kill them um, yeah. and having to be, able to be able to create human organs that could be used as transplant organs into a person without having to like find a donor and find a match yeah. and stuff like that we, we won't have to have that island full of clones where we get yeah. our organs from anymore. I was thinking about that because that is part of the premise of the island is that they do have they, they tried to make them as singular organs but the organs couldn't like in the premise of that world the organs made outside of humans like wouldn't that would, be viable. Wouldn't take because they, they, so they needed had, a human. It's yeah. a little. Uh, Which is so ridiculous. So every, spiritual. Yeah. Every 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 clone on the on the aisle uh, in the, like that facility are just like someone's insurance policy, <laughs> and like the the ridiculousness of that of like oh my god so if we suddenly need an, a last minute organ transplant for this person. Like we have to also be able to access their clone and and trick them into coming to this island, but they're really going to the surgery and yeah. It's it's similar to have you ever seen the movie or read the book uh, Never Let Me Go? Uh, -uh I don't think so. That's a really similar premise, 
but the characters are self-aware of what they are. Like they know they're clones and they are raised with the purpose of like when you get to be adults, we will start harvesting you for your organs. Yikes. And if you can get through three of them without dying, then you're like never made to do it again. But up until then, like you may be like, so like some of the characters as they get to a certain age, like you see them walking around with like canes and stuff because like they, they've like lost vital organs they need to like function as well. And they're like weak. They're like bodies are weak and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really good. It's 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 um who would, uh, Casey Mulligan, Andrew Garfield, and Kira Knightley are in it. And oh wow! And it, they don't really tell you right away what's happening in this. Something kind of like they never hundred percent expl- never let me go. I don't. How, why haven't I heard of that? Oh, I I highly recommend it. It's one of the one of the better sci fi movies I've seen because it's it's a sci fi movie that talk about hard sci fi. Like it doesn't. There's almost no indication that it's a sci-fi film. Like, there's like a couple of things. Like, there's references to what their purpose is in society, but that's about it. And for the most part, it's just this story about these characters that it, happen to live in this world. But this is their this is their place in the world. How do you believe that people would take their place? That would 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 live in their place in the world. Be told that you're here to be harvested. It's it's like that's just how they're raised. Like that's as children. Like that's they're taught. Like at one point, there's there's a scene where they're like. I think I saw my original out at the the mall, and they go looking for this woman that is, ends up not being her original, but so like looking for someone who looks just like her. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like there's the, in the very beginning, they're they're all just like kids at a school, but they're all and they like they live in the dormitory, and like when they come back, they have to like scan in that they're there, so they're not being like like left to like roam freely and stuff like that. Hmm. I guess um, I hope they I hope they're treated well. Could be a good life, just yeah. hanging around waiting for your other self to go out in the world and. Yeah, and it's not. It's not. Hopefully, not have heart problems. It's not even really like that. They're like necessarily raising organs for their own original. It's like they're just like essentially farmed organs for anyone who needs one. Oh, so, for anyone. Like, hey, we need livers, and this person has a healthy liver, so we'll have them do surgery and stuff like that. Well, how do they decide if somebody needs a new heart? Then somebody's gonna. Yeah, that, that like that, like that's the part of the thing is like not everybody who like sometimes the clones like die in their very first surgery because the thing they need from them is 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 not something they can live without so like if if you happen to survive all three you're set free but if you you could die in any one of the first three well all right well thanks for being here thanks um, for having me that was fun talking about all of the different time travels yeah and uh which one would you if time travel was actually invented which one would you want Oh, Doctor Who. Of course, you would want Doctor Who. Of course, I want Doctor Who to be real. We yeah. want we want Tardises to be real. Yeah, I want Tardises to be real, and there to be an actual Doctor out there trying to like keep things going well and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's hope. That's yeah. our hope for the future. Yeah, and the past. Doctor Who. And by the way, if thousands of years from now you're you're listening to this and you're an actual Time Lord. Come over and visit. Yeah, <laughs> come come to okay, the we'll, come we'll to twenty nineteen. Right we'll watch right now. We'll watch right now. Let's see, Let's see if anybody appears I in actually, our yard. There was a uh, there was a th- I remember there was a thing about time travel on This American Life. This is probably about 10, 15 years ago. at This point that I heard this, but there was a guy who basically the part the party the time party or something? no that that too that was Stephen Hawking's thing. But oh, yeah. uh, there was also this story about a guy whose father had died when he was a kid and so he basically spent his entire life trying to make time travel happen because he wanted to see his father again uh-huh. but then like eventually came to the, the the conclusion that in order for time travel to exist the machine to make it happen it's, it's similar to the primer thing like it wouldn't be possible 
a moment before the machine was turned on. And so even if he invented time travel that worked perfectly, he would never see his father again. And it was like really like like this like gut wrenching thing, but also kind of like somewhat sentimental because like you but like doing all this stuff because of my dad is like I'm al- I'm always thinking about him because he's what's created my work. So it was kind of a sweet little moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it would be really bittersweet if he actually did invent time travel but you couldn't go back to say yeah. his dad. Yeah. Um uh, what was that? He could have just got a ham radio like in fre- yeah, frequency. frequency. <laughs> that is a good example of one that I do like, but it, it is one where the the world does get changed. That's definitely a fantasy the, one. Yeah. Uh there's not a lot of physics involved in that. No, not at all. And it's okay. Um, I'm, I think I actually prefer fantasy time travel to scientific time travel for the most part because I don't have to worry about what the science is like. It's like, no, this is magic. It's yeah. And in general, you know, like for for people like me who are, are super into science, I, I try to um, remind myself and others, like, you know, let it go sometimes. Yeah. It, it's, it, these stories are stories so because we like listening to stories, not because they're a hundred percent true about everything. Yeah, science fiction is just a medium for which to tell interesting stories and and, and be metaphors for things that are happening in, in mm-hmm. life. So, if the science doesn't check out, it's not it's it's not a sin because it's just a storytelling tool. Yep. You hear that, Neil deGrasse Tyson, <laughs> who's probably an avid listener to this show. Of course. Um, all right, Riley, where can uh, people find you and follow your work? Uh, all the places I mentioned at the top of the show, and you can also find me on Twitter at Riley J. Silverman and on Instagram at Riley Silverman. Cool, and so that's Troubled Waters Podcast. Troubled Waters Podcast, uh, Rat Queens on Hyper RPG on Twitch, and also uh, The Broken Pact on D&D on Twitch, and The uh, the Game of Rassilon is the Doctor Who podcast that I'm on. Game of Rassilon. Yeah. Awesome. And you can follow me at Dave Chacho on Twitter and Instagram and uh, Science AF Pod on Twitter and Science AF on Facebook. Our website is scienceafpod.com. Thanks for listening. Give us a rating, review. Let us know you're here. Send us, a, send us an email, dave at scienceafpod.com. If you want to comment, yell, compliment, insult, whatever you want. All feedback is welcome. My guest has been Riley Silverman. Thanks for being here, Riley. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye, everybody. Science AM. Science AM. Same theme song. Science AM. Science AM. The podcast travel back in time for the theme song to play. Yeah, it's like we're, it's like it's all coming full circle. Yeah. Thanks, Riley. Thanks for having me.